The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 223rd ever show of All Around Sports. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined later by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, everybody up here in the uh, Northeast is once again bracing for and freaking out for a a nor'easter, a winter blizzard coming our way. And uh, in contrast to last winter, uh, looks like the Northeast is going to be spared the Boston area, I should say, is going to be spared. The rest of the Northeast looks like it's going to get hammered, especially Washington, D.C. and uh, Charlotte, site of the Cardinals-Panthers game on Sunday. So that bears watching and leads right into my highlight of the week and event of the week, which was attending the Patriots-Chiefs playoff game on Saturday, which kicked off a spectacular Divisional playoff weekend, uh, in my estimation, it's the best sports weekend of the year. Uh, it was a great, great game. It was a classic Patriots workmanlike playoff win, of which they have become so, so experienced. And you could just feel it throughout the game uh, that, you know, they've been there before and, and the Chiefs haven't. Um, taking the ball, going right down the field. Uh, 11 plays, no no runs, all passes, uh, culminating in a Brady to Gronk touchdown pass right in the corner of the uh, end zone where I sit, so right in front of me. It was awesome, and uh, it was just a terrific weather game. Uh, you know, there, there was uh, forecasts all week long of just torrential downpours, what have you. And instead, it just everything just stopped uh, by about two o'clock Eastern time. The game was at four thirty, so the walk to the stadium was completely dry and, in fact, under blue skies. And just a beautiful evening. I mean, if, in my mind, if you have to pick a time for a playoff game to attend in person, it's that 
early Saturday slot, and it was just spectacular. Um, obviously, the headline from that game was the Kansas City clock management. Uh, you know, just sitting in the stadium, everybody was just looking at each other, mystified, a stadium full of Patriot fans as the Chiefs just, you know, methodically uh, went down the field there in the last five minutes as if they didn't have a care in the world. They're down two scores. Uh, you know, it was such a reminder of that 2005 Super Bowl uh, when Andy Reid coached the Eagles and they were in a similar situation and, again, just took their good old time uh, matriculating down the field uh, and basically just didn't leave themselves with enough time either then or last Saturday. So, again, just being in the stadium was really odd as you just kind of were shaking your head saying, what are they doing? You know, calling, you know, no, calling huddles, you know, no hurry up offense feel to it whatsoever. And uh, so it was just very strange. So it's definitely an Andy Reid thing, and it even resurfaced when Doug Peterson, the offensive coordinator from Kansas City, was named the Philadelphia Eagles coach this week. And in his Eagles introductory press conference the other day, he, of course, found himself answering questions as to his clock management. So uh, pretty fascinating. And really the most unusual part of the whole day was walking out of Gillette Stadium as everybody, and I mean everybody, was screaming, let's go Steelers, uh, hoping that the Steelers would beat Denver, thereby putting Sunday's AFC Championship back in Gillette, hosting the Steelers. Uh, a, a sight I never thought I would see or hear, Patriot fans uh, chanting, let's go Steelers. But that's what we had leaving Gillette Stadium last Saturday evening, and uh it was, uh, again, something I never thought I would see. Uh, the other highlight of the week has to just be the Cardinals-Packers playoff game, but in particular, Larry Fitzgerald's run, 75-yard run in overtime, where he was just literally galloping down the field. He looked like he was, you know, uh, 22 again, and it was just one of the great runs in history, truly one for the ages. We'll be seeing it for all time. And, you know, for that to come just moments after the uh, Hail Mary from Aaron Rodgers, a, a remarkable play, uh, was just really one of the greatest endings in NFL playoff history. Of course, those two plays sandwiched the coin flip, which was in and of itself highly unusual. So just a crazy, crazy ending to uh, that Cardinals-Packers classic. My low light of the week, going back to the the Steelers, was the Pittsburgh Steelers, Fitzgerald, Toussaint, fumble late in the Denver game as Pittsburgh was heading in. They were at, I think, the 31-yard line of Denver, heading in for what would have been the the score that would have uh, sealed the game. Uh, basically handed the game to the Broncos. To their credit, they had to drive 70 yards, which they did. No surprise. Uh, The fumble, the result, denied. The Patriots hosting the Steelers this Sunday, uh, which I would have been attending. 
Um, so, you know, very, very disappointing. At the end of the day, the Steelers had tons of injuries, as we all know. Uh, Toussaint is their third string running back. Uh, what else can you say? They lost Le'Veon Bell a while back. They lost, uh, you know, D'Angelo Williams. And then, you know, when you're playing with a third string running back, you're uh, flirting with disaster. Not that they had any choice. And, you know, it just caught up with them. Uh, very unfortunate. Uh, so now Denver uh, will be hosting the Patriots on Sunday. And I'm shocked at what I've been seeing about. Uh, you know, the demise of Peyton Manning, meaning that the Patriots are going to roll to victory. Uh, I'm not feeling that at all. A lot of New England fans up here seem to be, but, you know, Denver simply owns the Patriots at home, period. Uh, Brady and Belichick are 2-6 and six out in Denver, 0-2 in playoff games. And say what you want about Peyton Manning, uh, he was the winning quarterback this past Sunday against the Steelers, period. We can talk about the fumble, which I just alluded to, but of course they then had to go 70 yards, which they did. And, uh, you know, as Belichick put it so eloquently this week in his press conference, he would never, ever underestimate Peyton Manning. Um, Not understanding how, you know, everybody just seems to be buying into, you know, Peyton's done and the Patriots are going to roll the victory on Sunday fairly easily. I am not seeing that at all. Let's just say I would be more surprised than not if the Patriots win, meaning I give them a 49% chance. Uh, Again, Denver's a house of horrors for the Patriots, has been for the entire Brady-Belichick tenure, as has Miami. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I talked about the Miami uh, track record for the Patriots playing games in Miami. It's been awful, and I predicted that uh, they would have their hands full at minimum and probably lose uh, that final game of the season. They did. Didn't surprise me. And <clears throat> uh, uh, they don't lose that game. They're, the game's in Foxborough on Sunday. So it was a huge game, yet they still couldn't win. And uh, so it is just simply uh, they're going to have their hands full on Sunday in Denver, no matter what, no matter what uh, Peyton Manning is doing with passes fluttering and, and whatnot. His intellect and his experience will be huge in that game, to say the least. Finally, my bizarre story of the week was the Panthers – uh, running out to a 31 nothing lead in the first half of the game against the Seahawks on Sunday. Uh, what bizarre, what's bizarre to me is that, you know, why the Seattle Seahawks just didn't simply stay in the Carolina area after they beat the Redskins in their playoff game. Um, they just simply, uh, you know, simply... Too much cross-country travel. What else can you say? Um, You know, they were clearly asleep uh, in the first quarter of that game. And uh, and by the way, they didn't play the Redskins, of course. Uh, But they were, you know, 
could have just stayed out east and uh they should have just stayed in uh stayed in the Carolina area all week got ready for the game not be flying uh cross country and uh I think they would have been awake and would not have been behind 31 nothing so now as my former co-host Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say it's time to pay some bills so let's take our break and next up will be our weekly call-in expert AP Stedham of Bama Magazine. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And just going back to the previous segment, I, of course, was talking about the Seahawks staying down in North Carolina for the game with the Panthers following their classic game in below zero uh, with the Vikings uh, the previous week up in Minnesota. And uh, so, yeah, they didn't do it. And they, uh, in my mind, paid the price. But it's that time of the show when we often have guests. And on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how you doing today? Oh, very well, John. How are you? Good, good. You're, you're back in Alabama after your uh, visit down to Phoenix for the College Football Playoff National Championship. And then you were up in uh, back to New England, to Connecticut, for the Walter Camp Awards last Saturday night. And uh, how was that? Must have been great. Yeah, it really was, John. We had a chance to see a couple of the 
players from Alabama there. Henry was the Walter Camp Player of the Year, the first time in school history someone received that award, and so it was nice to be there. Derek's parents were there, and and uh, had a nice weekend. Had a couple of awards that they handed out. Alumni of the award was Doug Williams, a former Grambling State quarterback, and Man of the Year of somebody that you familiar with, Joanne Jersey, Southern Connecticut State University, played for the England Patriots, one of the teams, and and they had the Distinguished American with Tim Shriver, um, the CEO of Special Olympics. Uh, and then they had the uh, Connecticut player there, Tyler Medicavis, a outstanding linebacker from Temple. So I got to see quite a few people. Wow. It's an impressive ceremony every year, and uh, I know you've gone many years, so that sounds great. It's hard to believe that Derrick Henry is the first ever Alabama player to win that award, you know, it's no different than when uh, Mark Ingram, I believe it was, was the first Alabama player ever to win the Heisman, which was shocking uh, back a few years ago. And, you know, th- these things just amaze me, uh, given Alabama's rich history. Yeah, a lot of the times people are surprised to hear uh, when an Alabama player receives a national individual award, but that's just the way it has played out over the years. Yeah, Alabama, they, they win as a team, but uh, you know, many times there's some other outstanding player from the school that receives those type of awards. Well, exactly. Uh, so, how's the state of Alabama doing? Are they still reveling in their recent national championship? Well, they sure are. They, they love claiming that 16th championship, and tomorrow, matter of fact, John, they're going to be have the parade in Tuscaloosa, and I'll be there at the uh, Denny Chimes over to the, the North Plaza of the Bryant Denny Stadium. So it, people can watch that on TV. I believe it's on ESPNU, uh, one of those platforms. So it started uh, 10 o'clock Central. So, wow. You know, anyone, anyone wants to tune in, they can check it out. <laughs> That sounds fabulous. How's the weather forecast for tomorrow down there? Yeah, you know, John, I had had a moment to check it out, but at the, uh, right now it's a little bit of uh, moisture in the air, a little rain, a little sleet. Looks like a little bit of snow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah so uh, I, I, I'm not sure how it's going to be tomorrow, but I'm hoping uh, everything is done tonight and uh, it kind of clears up. Yes, I hope so, too. Nothing like a, uh, a parade that you want uh, good weather for, that's for sure. Um, well, as always, there are always uh, college football news to talk about and really had a couple things from uh, you know the college football playoff committee uh, where Colby Hocutt was named the chair of the selection committee. He's the uh, director of athletics at Texas Tech, and he, of course, succeeds uh, Jeff Long, uh, Arkansas director of athletics, who has really been the the face, at least on the weekly ESPN show, explaining uh, the rankings the last couple years. And uh, so, yeah, it's interesting that, you know, that, you know, they do terms. So he's just rotating out of his term, and the same was the case for uh, you know three new committee uh, members being made. 
Lloyd Carr, former coach of Michigan. We all remember him, as well as Jeff Bauer, Herb Duramati, and Rob Mullins, all being named to the selection committee. And they're succeeding Mike Gould, Pat Hayden, Tom Osborne, (laughs) and Mike Trangazi, again, who had three-year terms. So uh, pretty significant turnover, I would say, for the uh, college football playoff committee. Yeah, it is, John. And uh, I was kind of surprised at some of the names. I don't know if you were, but, uh, you know, Lloyd Card, I think I was kind of surprised because he was a person, I think, that was really zeroed in on keeping the tradition of not having a playoff. He was satisfied without having these extra games. So that that's interesting that they would make him a committee member. That's quite interesting, you know, and frankly, I did not know that. Um, you know, up here in these parts, Lloyd Carr is, of course, uh, viewed as the coach who did not, repeat, not start Tom Brady <laughs> when he was, you know, in his last couple of years at Michigan. Uh, that's how New Englanders view Lloyd Carr. Uh, we all remember that Drew Henson came on the scene and started as the freshman, and uh, I think we all know the rest of the story in the end. Brady played his greatest game ever in his last game, which was the Orange Bowl, uh, as Michigan quarterback. And I think we all know the rest of the story. But uh, yeah, so but Lloyd Carr, he so he would would have preferred to just keep it like the BCS the way it was, so to speak. Yeah, I think he he preferred that that system, and so uh, why he was chosen chosen, I'm not I'm not sure, but. Uh, I'll be interested to see if he gives a few interviews and see what his thoughts are, see if he's come around to this newfangled system. Yeah. You know, what, what are his perspective, what's his perspective and philosophy about, about choosing a team? I mean, that's always the question, John, right? What is the right. person's philosophy? How do they make the selection? Are they, are they a numbers person? Are they, are they heavily on the eye test? Uh, do they give credence to the strength of schedule and maybe trump another team because they've, they've beaten someone else? Uh, I mean, all these things are, are factors that uh, I'm curious to learn about Lloyd Carr. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I mean, the differences are, you know, uh, the names are not as high profile. The, the incoming names are not as high profile as the outgoing names. I mean, Pat Hayden and... Tom Osborne, you know, what can you say? They are indeed household names, and Mike Trangazi certainly to us here in the uh, Northeast is very familiar as basically Dave Gavitt's successor and right-hand man, so to speak. Um, So, yeah, you know, Jeff Long, I don't know that he was uh, super well-known before he started, uh, you know, talking about the rankings on the ESPN show every Tuesday night. Uh, but now we have, you know, Kirby Hocutt, and he could uh, certainly become as familiar, no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, as far as, uh, you know, Herb Dirometti and Rob Mullins and Jeff Bauer, they are not really, I mean, they're highly qualified, but they're not names that I think most uh, college football fans are, you know, immediately familiar with. No, John, you're exactly correct. I, I mean, I had to look up some of the names myself. Um, so I'm sure the average college football fan 
they may not know any of those of those individuals. So, but there's always a fresh voice, and and we'll see what happens down the line. I mean, I don't know how you feel about the system so far. I I guess it's worked pretty well. Um, I don't know if the Big Twelve was too happy last year, but uh, they had a representative this year. They had a chance to prove themselves on the field, and Clemson was a better team that day. So we'll see what happens. Yes, yes, and, uh, you know, I think they are going to bring a different perspective. I mean, just as background for our listeners, Jeff Bauer spent 29 years at the University of Southern Mississippi in various coaching roles, including head coach. Herb Derometti, 38 years at Central Michigan University. Uh, You know, so, again, these are just... uh, Highly, highly accomplished individuals. Rob Mullins is the current director of athletics at University of Oregon. We all know what the Ducks have done. Um, so again, yeah, uh, this is not in any way, uh, you know, an indictment of them. Uh, they're highly, highly qualified. They're just not names that are immediately familiar to the public. Where you know, when I remember when the committee was formed, and you know. Tom Osborne and Pat Hayden were super, super high profile along with the likes of, you know, Condoleezza Rice and Barry Alvarez, uh, um, among others. But, you know, it's the system they've set up, and now we're moving kind of into, you know, phase two of the overall CFP. And, uh, you know, I, I, like you, I think, you know, I'm a big believer in fresh voices and whatnot, and uh, the turnover, you know, is... uh, is I think ultimately going to be a positive, but I got to think that these two coaches, longtime coaches who have coached at you know Southern Mississippi and Central Michigan, will bring a different perspective to the proceedings. No doubt in my mind. Yeah, John, you might see a team get in from the non-power five conference. Exactly. You read my mind. <laughs> that's, a, that's exactly what I was inferring and how I view it. Uh, and frankly, I think that that would be fine for, uh, for college football. And, uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, the ship, the ship sails on as they say. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, but even Lloyd Carr, I mean, I, you know, I think everybody's pretty, pretty well in agreement on, you know, the first two years have been overall a success in getting the right teams in there. If there was any controversy, it would have been Ohio State a couple years ago, and we all know that they ended up being a pretty good pick. So uh, I think all in all, the first couple years have gone pretty well, and I, and I think everybody's certainly happier with it than they were with the BCS, even Lloyd Carr. <laughs> yeah, I think so, Johnny. He, he probably is because a uh, Big Ten team was able to be in the field last year, and uh, so I'm sure that made him happy, even though it was uh, the team south of Michigan. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, AP, uh, still lots more to talk about, but uh, glad we had a chance to cover the committee and be sure to enjoy the parade tomorrow. And again, we have lots more topics to cover, but why don't we take our break for now? And we'll get to those other topics after the break.
love what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at Voice America TRN or twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we discussed some college football and the college football playoff committee changes in the previous segment. But we also had, of course, the NFL playoff the divisional round last weekend which in my mind is the uh really the top sports weekend of the year and uh and it did not disappoint yet again uh, i know you were at the walter camp awards if i'm not mistaken uh, pretty much at the same time that the patriots were playing the chiefs that i was at uh so at least you were probably spared uh, the agony of watching Andy Reid mismanage the clock yet again at the end. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, I didn't see that, Jen. I sure didn't. Uh, well, you didn't miss anything, trust me. Sitting in the stadium, as I mentioned in the first segment, was uh, downright mystifying. Uh, you know, literally everybody was looking around saying, you know, are we back at the Super Bowl in 2005 when he coached the Eagles? And Donovan McNabb was throwing up and huddling up and <laughs> and acting like uh, they didn't have a care in the world, despite, as last Saturday, they were then, you know, down two scores. And just bizarre to sit there and witness. But uh, it sounds like you were uh, in front of a TV, as I'm sure lots of the people in attendance at the Walter Camp Awards were, for really, uh, you know, uh, not only the game of the weekend, but one of the great... Playoff games of all time, certainly 
the ending, the last five, six minutes of the game, rolling into overtime between the Cardinals and the Packers. Uh, it was just something to behold. Uh, were you indeed in front of a TV to witness that uh, spectacular ending? Yeah, for a little bit of that, John, uh, pretty much the ending, uh, when you're watching the game, you're thinking, can does Green Bay have enough time to tie this game up? And literally, I believe it was the last play when he, uh, Aaron Rodgers heaved that ball to the end zone and that fellow jumped up and caught it, you know, like a basketball play, like a power forward and grabbed it with two, he high pointed it and he grabbed it with two hands. So it was a tremendous play. Yes. Uh, the receiver's name was Jeff Janis. I think he had two catches the whole year long and he had five or six in the game, one or two touchdowns, including that one on the Hail Mary. And, you know, almost as remarkable as that play uh, was, of course, the play right before it where Aaron Rodgers uh, basically completed a 60-yard pass. And, you know, the two plays, but even the play before the Hail Mary, the 50-60 yard pass where he basically threw a dart, a rope, 40, 50, 60 yards. I mean, I just find myself thinking, you know, especially, and then and let's not forget the Hail Mary in Detroit where he threw like the best arc pass of all time where he practically hit the roof of the Silver Dome there, Ford Field, I should say. I think he has the best arm of all time. I don't know how else to say it. You know, that, and it was, again, rather than the two Hail Marys, I was, I think, more impressed with the with the throw right before it from, like, the five-yard line or his own goal line to, like, the other side of the 40 to set up the Hail Mary. Again, he doesn't, it's not just some, you know, heave. It's like an absolute rope thrown 40, 50, 60 yards on a line, and I, I just, when I saw that play, and I've, I've been thinking this for a couple of years, but that to me is maybe one of his all-time great throws. Uh, you know, without that, there is no Hail Mary, but, I mean, what do you think of that statement? Does he have, like, maybe the best arm you've ever seen? It's just incredible what he can do. Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he, he's, a, he's has a fabulous arm. He sure does. Um, he showed it in that last play, for sure, and, and uh, like I said, I was Everybody was huddled around the television and trying to wonder if they were going to make a last-ditch effort, and that was one of the best plays I've ever seen play off football. Yeah, and it's not just that play. I mean, you know, just through the years, but I've just been noticing it more and more lately, you know, where he is like, you know, on the run. The throws he can make on the run, left or right, uh, you know, from... Throwing these ropes 30, 40, 50 yards is absolutely remarkable. But it was all for naught because of one Larry Fitzgerald. And, you know, uh, Larry, of course, is famous for that great run in the Super Bowl, pass and catch, I should say, uh, the Super Bowl against the Steelers down in Tampa a few years back where uh, he scored what appeared to be at the time what was would have been the winning score were it not for Santonio Holmes and we all remember that run where he's like looking up at himself in the scoreboard running free right down the middle of the field and uh but I think his run last uh Saturday night in overtime uh for 75 yards where he broke about four tackles 
and he just looked like a man possessed, you know, that may end up being his signature run, even though it wasn't in the Super Bowl. Uh, it was just a remarkable play on his part. And uh, he's one of the all timers, especially in the postseason. And boy, he just really, again, he was playing like a man possessed. And that, that run will, will just live forever in my mind. Yeah, that was one for the ages. I mean, considering the, the stakes and the time of um, the play had to be uh, executed, and 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 he, he he's a he's always been a tremendous uh, playoff player. I mean, a clutch player, and he showed that uh, last Saturday night. I mean, that was one of the best plays of all time. Yeah, and what I found really fascinating was right after that play, he. Uh, you know, as they all rushed down the field uh, to set up for the next play, there he was tackled at the five-yard line. You know, he basically had that look of like, you know, just give me the ball. It was one of the all-time <laughs> classics. And they did throw him the ball, and it didn't work. Uh, I think it was a fade. And then on the next play, they gave him the ball again on that just very creative, hats off to Bruce Arians, that very creative shovel pass that he just, you know, literally waltzed into the end zone to put the game away. And uh, so, yeah, what can you say? It was the Larry Fitzgerald overtime. I mean, he was part of all three plays, the big part of all three plays. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about him, you know, being named. And we talked about the, you know, all-time college team. I think he was the first team receiver, i.e. one of the top two or three greatest receivers in the history of college football at Pitt. And, uh, you know, his father's a sports writer. You know, he, he certainly represents all that's right about sports, football, and specifically sports in general, doing all the right things, great interview. But he, he was at a level of intensity in that overtime, and also just you could tell it in his postgame interview. He, he was in the zone, and you just don't get to see it very often and then literally hear him talk about it. But that was, a, that was pretty special stuff. Yeah, what I always will remember about Larry Fitzgerald is his excellent hands. And yep. he just seems to just, the ball is in the air, and you're thinking there's no way he's going to make that catch. There's people around him. I mean, they have the better vantage point, and he comes away with the football. Correct. Well, you know, he cemented his legacy, uh, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, is just one of the great... Receivers of all time, but more importantly, I think one of the great postseason performers of all time. Uh, you know, he he now has a couple of nice bookends between the the run in the Super Bowl that would have ostensibly been the winning touchdown to beat the Steelers, uh, and then last Saturday night's run, and then those two are you know uh, anybody would be had proud to have those two runs in their highlight reel. That's for darn sure. <laughs> and, uh, to say the least. Uh, but again, the highlight, what he just seemed to just like accelerate and break tackles on that run. Uh, you know, put it this way. We always hear about like Billy Cannon's Halloween night punt return back in the 1950s. This run is what I imagine, and I've seen highlights of it. I've seen film of it from the 1950s, but, you know, Larry Fitzgerald's run in overtime last Saturday was like what I imagine, you know, Billy Cannon's run to have been like. You know what I mean? Just that. 
like frozen in time kind of moment. Yeah, they'll be replaying that at all cardinal, you know, future cardinal games. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And oh, by the way, let's not forget. Let's give Carson Palmer some props here. You know, he uh, he certainly is not in any way a mobile or you know rollout quarterback. But you know, he he did. Uh, you know, he broke out of the pocket and then got bumped into pretty hard his own offensive lineman. Uh, you know, so that definitely, you know, had an impact. And then he like bounced off him and looked up and there's Larry Fitzgerald completely all alone on the left side of the field. Palmer was on the right side of the field. So he threw back across the field. Granted, Palmer, you know, Fitzgerald was only 10, 12 yards from the line of scrimmage, but it was a great play by Palmer as well. And, you know, good for him because he had had up to that game, he had had up to that play, he had had a very, very shaky game, uh, to say the least. Uh, threw a few interceptions and could have, have th- could have thrown a few more. But, you know, in the end, uh, you know, he, he got it done when it mattered most. And for his first ever playoff victory, which is hard to believe, huh? That's hard to believe, John, because he's, he's a pretty good quarterback. He is. He is, you know. Uh, I think that's going to play a major role as he heads into uh, Sunday. Uh, that you know, the monkey is off his back as far as never winning a playoff game. He's only appeared in three, so I mean he's one and two, <laughs> and you know. But I just think that you know, I think the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken, are seven and one in road games this season. Uh, right, but you know. I think that's just going to be a great game. I think that's a game everyone wanted to see all year long. You could feel those were the two best teams. What Carolina did, 31 nothing at halftime over the Seahawks, was remarkable. Uh, at the end of the first segment, I said I thought the Seahawks should have just stayed out east rather than you know fly to Minnesota, back from Minnesota, from Seattle to Charlotte. That's a killer, and I think the first quarter especially showed that. They, they were still asleep at what would have been 10 a.m. their time. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what possessed them to fly all the way back and then make the return trip. I mean, it just wasn't a smart decision by by management, um, you know, and it, it probably was a difference maker for them. I think it was. I mean, again, you, you know, they were down 14 nothing. Uh, you know, the game started with a 58-yard run by Jonathan Stewart. They score immediately. Next play, you know, Luke Keekley intercepts, runs it into the end zone. It's 14 nothing, like a minute and a half in. I, I, I think that tells you all you need to know. I, I didn't understand it. Um, these days, teams often, you know, Belichick and the Patriots do it a lot, but other teams do too, or just, you know, stay out west. Why be crisscrossing time zones, especially for playoffs games, uh, you know, if you don't have to, and uh, I was just mystified. Plus, you know, you, when they do this, when they stay places, they're staying in, you know, fabulous resorts. And it's, you know, th- there's a lot to be said for it, I think. I'm a big proponent of it. I just think it makes sense. Uh, you know, you and I just flew out to and back from Phoenix, you know. I don't know about you, but I'll speak for myself. It takes its toll. And that was only a two-hour time difference. <laughs> yeah, it does catch up to you, John. It really does, uh... You don't realize that your body's making this this change and 
physically, you know, your mind's your mind's trying to push your body, and your body's saying, "Well, wait a minute now, I gotta, I gotta take a little break here. I, I've been through some, some, uh, you know, some changes." So, but what you know, I mean, this is something that's been done. I mean, for four or five decades, teams have stayed in one location. I mean, this goes way back. Well, why didn't make that decision? I don't know, but it's a good question. Maybe somebody asked it. I didn't see an answer, but somebody should have asked that question. Absolutely. You know, it's kind of, it takes its toll, but you don't even know it's taking its toll. You, you know, you, you think you're fine after crossing time zones, but, you know, you're just not at 100%. You're just not. Mentally or physically, you're not. You're, you're just maybe a half step behind, and that's all you need. In an NFL playoff game, especially against the Carolina Panthers at home, that's, that makes all the difference in the world, and that was clearly on display last Sunday uh, afternoon to start that game. Yep, they'll have all season to think about it, John. Exactly. Good point. Good point. Well, uh, we still have lots more to talk about, but we've covered, uh, you know, the divisional round. Although we didn't quite get to the uh, to the the Steelers Broncos game, but we will, and we'll preview the AFC Championship and NFC Championship this Sunday uh, on what I like to call the best sports day of the year. Uh, after the break. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, my pick of the week, uh, weekend for appointment viewing is, of course, uh, NFL Championship Sunday, 
in my mind, the best sports day of the year to decide who goes to the Super Bowl. The early game, Patriots at Broncos. The late game, Cardinals at Panthers. And AP, uh, the Broncos are hosting because they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. And, uh, you know, I said in the first segment that, you know, the third string running back for the Steelers pressed into service because of the injuries to the top two running backs, uh, you know. The injuries finally caught up to the Steelers, and the Steelers were in there on their way for what would have been the score to seal the game, and instead the fumble occurred, and Peyton Manning took them back 70 yards for their winning score, and uh, thereby hosting the Patriots on Sunday. Uh, Brady versus Manning should be a classic. I think that's the game everybody wanted, John, and they're going to get a chance to see it. Uh, Peyton Manning's going to have... Probably this is his swamp song, and it'll be on his home field to be Tom Brady. So exactly. I'm sure it'll be a big, big audience, big audience for this game. It could be record-setting, uh, you know, just when you kind of think that maybe we've, we're not going to get another one, we get another one, and what better stage? Uh, you can't have it on a bigger <laughs> stage, given they're in the same conference than the AFC Championship game. It's in Denver. Uh, you know, Manning has... You know, rightfully so, undergone a tremendous amount of criticism, and a lot of people just think the Patriots are going to go in there and waltz to victory. I am not seeing that in any way, shape, or form. We all know Peyton Manning is not what he once was, but what he's lost in arm velocity, he is more than he more than makes up for in intellect and experience. And as I said at the end of the first segment today. He won. He was the winning quarterback in the game against the Steelers last Sunday, and the Steelers are a pretty darn good team, with or without the injuries. And uh, it's like nobody's giving him any credit for that whatsoever. I know it was the fumble that turned the game, but he he won. He was you know the winning quarterback, and how people can be dismissing him and acting like the Broncos have no shot when the Patriots are two and six under the in the Brady-Belichick era overall in Denver and 0-2 in playoff games is is beyond me. Yeah, John, I mean, Peyton Manning, he, he doesn't have to win by three touchdowns. They just have to win by a point. So, you know, as long as he's not going to turn the ball over, I mean, they're going to try to run the football anyway, I mean, as I understand it, because they had success. And, uh, you know, to keep the ball away from Peyton Manning you know, so he doesn't have to throw the football keep the ground game going and the the Patriots are going to have their hands full if that gets if that's the case. Absolutely. Uh you know, no doubt about it. I mean, I know Peyton Manning isn't what he was even 2 years ago, but you know, anybody who sat and watched that Patriots loss to the Broncos 2 years ago in Denver in the AFC Championship game you know, there was never a moment during that game where I thought the Patriots were going to win, ever. And, you know, so, I, again, I, I put the Patriots, and I know Vegas has them favored and everything, but, you know, I'll be more surprised than not if they win. That is how difficult it has always been for them in Denver and how they are just, you know, it's a house of horrors for them, like Miami is for them. And, uh, you know, 
Peyton Manning needed to make one pass last Sunday against the Steelers, and he made it. You know, it was a third and long, and, you know, he, he made it when he had to make it, and he still was capable of doing that. Uh, while, again, you know, reading defenses and just, you know, on every single play, just simply uh, being the master that he is. So uh, everybody's saying, you know, because the Patriots have their full complement of offensive players finally back, Gronk, Amendola, Edelman, uh, all in the field at the same time. But, you know, Denver has the best defense in the league. So I think that, you know, that's a bit of a draw, shall we say, or, you know, they're, they're not, the Patriots are not going to run wild, put it that way. No, no, and plus it's on the road, too. So Denver's got to feel really good about their chances playing from from the, the loyal fans. And, uh, you know, Tom Brady can, can come up with some magic again. Uh, I don't know. I mean, and how healthy is the Patriots' defense? Correct, correct. Well, I remember watching that game, you know, a few weeks back in the snow, that Sunday night game that Denver came back to win with Brock Osweiler, let me add. Uh, the key to that game, and I, I thought it was, you know, somewhat overlooked, was when the Patriots, and you'll relate to this, you covered them at college. When the Patriots lost Dante Hightower, it all changed. I think the right. Broncos had 20, 30 yards rushing in the first half. Hightower goes out at the end of the first half. The Broncos run wild with, I think, 143 yards rushing, including the winner. You know, a long run in overtime to put it away. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in Dante Hightower. He's gone out in a couple other games. He's just, like, so important to that defense, especially in stopping the run. And Denver depends on the run more than ever with Peyton's aging. So... Yeah, yeah, Dante, lots to think yeah, about. Dante's a no, no no nonsense kind of guy. Uh, John, ever been around him, and he's a good run stopper. I mean, as you know, uh, so how healthy is he and the rest of that linebacker core? And I'm I'm sure that's going to be a factor in this game because uh, the Broncos they they want to run the football and Patriots they they know that that's that's uh, important uh, factor to win the game. So we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. Well, let's not forget Jared Mayo, Patriots captain, calls the signals. Stalwart is went on injured reserve this week. He got hurt in the Kansas City game last week, so he's out. Um, so they've already got issues as far as I'm concerned stopping the run. That's what, <laughs> yeah, and that's what the Broncos do best. Yeah. Well, it should be fun, you know. And it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, yeah, I, I can't wait to watch the two quarterbacks. Is that what it comes down to? I'm sure that's what the fans would like. Peyton oh, yeah. Manning, one more last hurrah against Tom Brady. Let's see who has the better game. Exactly, exactly. Uh, again, you know, I, I the Patriots are great. Uh, I'm solely basing my thoughts on their track record playing in Denver. That is the problem, <laughs> period. It has nothing to do with the Patriots. And, you know, uh, so let's make that perfectly clear. Uh, it's, the ve- it's the venue as much as anything. So it's going to be fun. Can't wait. And, uh, you know, all of America gets to see Brady Manning one more time, including you and I. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun on Sunday. And then, hey, we get to follow it up with another interesting game. 
to say the least, Panthers and Cardinals. So, AP, thank you, as always, for calling in. Uh, we appreciate your perspective, and uh, should be another fun weekend coming up. Yeah, I can't wait, John. Thank, thank you very much. You're welcome. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. 